0: What can parents do to help their kids grow up wisely instead of foolish and hurt? From the Old Testament book of Proverbs we have learned that there is a divine architect who has definite ideas about how children should be raised. He wants us to teach our kids the realities of life from his perspective. This means they will know how to resist three demolitionists, the scoffer, the moral dullard and the impenetrable block. Let's join our study leader, Dave Wurtzen, as he exposes the belligerence of the scoffer in the face of authority. The scoffer will say, I don't have to obey you. None of the kids are really into obeying you. If you're an adult and you're involved with a scoffer, you say, my boss never knows what he's doing. What a real jerk. Man, I haven't been able to find a good boss all my life. They're all a bunch of idiots. If I was the boss, things would really get in shape. You ever met somebody like that? They're always ridiculing. They're always mocking authority. Everybody's always wrong. They're always right. That's the characteristic of a scoffer. You try to correct this guy. In other words, you know, someone that really loves him goes to this individual or this girl and says, hey... You're making a real idiot out of yourself. Everybody hates you because you're, you've got a, such a cynical, negative, scorning, mocking personality. Don't you know that you've lost three jobs not because everyone else is wrong and you're right? You don't do your job very well because you're always cutting people down. You turn people off. You're like sandpaper when we need oil in this business. And you go to the scorner and, and they scorn on you and say, who do you think you are for talking to me? Man, you're one of those fools along with everyone else. You're one of those, those administrative people that don't have the foggiest idea what they're doing. So all the way from the teenager yelling at mom and dad to the college student where all the professors are idiots to the guy that goes into business or the girl that goes into business and all the administrators are idiots, that's the characteristic. He never listens. She never listens to correction. A fourth characteristic is they produce moral, they produce political and social unrest. I want all the young people to listen. You're going to go through a phase in your life. I promise you, you'll go through a phase in your life where you're going to be tempted to get involved in creating political and social unrest. Now I want to share with you, our society has a lot of needs, a lot of tremendous needs. There's a lot of things that are really wrong. And we really need people that get up and stand up for what is right. But the scoffer does not know how to do that skillfully. The scoffer does it by tearing things down. The scoffer does it by producing terrible rebellions where, where everyone gets burned. Buildings are burned. You have some evidence of it in our society. You know, the groups that, that bombs a building. Now, what, what I want all of you to realize is Whenever you're trying to make something better, you analyze what you are. Are you really something better? I admit the system might really be bad, but is blowing up things and little children that might happen to be in the building that get blown up as well, is that really a better system? Are you really bringing in a new day? See, every one of you need to realize you're not going to totally escape from the old nature. You're not going to ever go to a perfect school. When I was in college, I would have made a fantastic college president. I mean, there was was one time in my life where I absolutely knew how to run a school, and that was when I was in college. I mean, I was the wisest person, and I had colleagues around me that were incredibly wise as well. We would gather in our rooms at night and we would talk about all the things that were wrong in the school. And we had incredible ideas of, of how to make the school better. It was mocking. It was ridicule. It's always easy when the responsibility doesn't lie upon you. This scorner produces political and social unrest. When I was in college, an old college president when he started being the president of our school he was the youngest president of a college, of a major college in America my class had the distinction of driving him out of the presidency now I'm not proud that our class did that it was the sixties in the sixties for for one nutty time the forty-year-olds believed that 18 year olds knew a lot more than they did and that president was used to a day when students would respect him and those of you that are into teaching probably can really identify with what i'm talking about because you might remember that, tra- that, that transition when suddenly students would challenge you and i'm not talking about healthy challenge of developing minds sometimes i'm just talking about prideful illegitimate scorn and the idea is who cares whether you spend 20 years learning your field I have just as much a right to think about it as you do and what I think about it is just as valuable as you though they're not the words of a wise man they're the words of a fool the words of a mocker in the 60's it did produce a lot of political and social unrest in fact there were even some deaths some very tragic times God works through all of that. There was also some marvelous things that the Holy Spirit did in working in Campus Crusade for Christ and Young Life and Youth for Christ. But I think that if you think back to that day, you'll get an idea of what happens when the scorner begins to rule and to reign and producing a lot of social and political unrest. I'm not saying that we shouldn't produce change, but we need to learn to do it wisely. We need to learn it to do it in a way that will bring in a more godly, a more moral system rather than just tearing things down and not knowing where we're going to end up when we tear the walls down. The tragedy of this scoffer is that he can't find wisdom. This individual might search for it, but you can never find wisdom when you're scoffing. When you're ridiculing, when you're mocking, as long as you have that frame of mind... You can't find wisdom. Why can't the scoffer find wisdom? Because they go like this. You can't hear anything Sunday morning. You can't ever hear your mom and dad as long as you go like this. As long as you're a scoffer, you never hear. And what you do hear, you twist it. Your heart is never tender. In order to become a wise person, you need to open your heart. You see, when a, when a child wants to learn to ride a bicycle, if the child says, no, I'm going to do it my way, they're going to fall a lot. If they won't let dad steady that bike a little bit, if they won't let dad hold the back end a little bit, if they pridefully, indolently say, no, I'm going to do it myself, there's going to be some real bumps and bruises. And that's what the scoffer doesn't realize. They can't let somebody steady them. They can't open their heart and let someone teach them some basic skills of life. What does Proverbs say should happen to this individual? Proverbs says they should be publicly punished. Proverbs also says that they should be exiled because if you don't exile them, you'll, you will allow a, a terrible cancer of discord and argument and, and all kinds of hate to develop. They will be detested. Ultimately, the tragedy is they will be mocked by Yahweh. Now, there's another fool that we're introduced to in this chapter, and that is our friend, the moral dullard. Look what it says here. We've had, in verse 12, we have, How long will you naive ones love your naive ways? How long will you mockers delight in mockery? And fools hate knowledge. This word fool means to be a dull, insensitive, complacent kind of a person. I want you to know something about the mocker. The mocker still cares. In other words, if you listen to me speak, and you tease me about it, you ridicule me about it, that's not so bad as this fellow right here. Because even to ridicule something means you have to open your ears a little bit, and you have to hear what's said, and you don't ridicule something that, do- that doesn't bother you very much. I want to use this just to apply it into your lives. If you're witnessing to unbelieving people and they're mocking you, cheer up, that's pretty good news. You say, oh, I don't like it, man, this guy at work, this girl at work, she continually mocks the living daylights out of me. Don't be too discouraged about that. They still care. You see, underneath all that, that, that hardened exterior shell, The fact that they're mocking you says that they're challenging you. I want to find out whether you've got the real thing. Maybe there is an answer there. To ridicule something, you still care about it because you're still investing the energy into into speaking negatively about it. In fact, a lot of people get really mad before they get glad. A lot of people get really mad, really spurn the thing of the Bible, talk really bad news about Jesus Christ before they really meet Jesus Christ. The reason they're so tight about it, the reason they're so angry about it, is because the Spirit of God is convicting them. It's kind of like having a thorn in your flesh, so you keep fighting it. This individual is past that. This individual is in the hopeless, but they're well on the way towards becoming just a totally committed, criminal, wicked kind of an individual. This moral dullard doesn't come to church and mock things, doesn't listen to a mom and dad and mock them. They just totally ignore them. That's the worst thing in the world. They don't mock, they don't ridicule, they don't fight you. They just could care less. This individual's basic characteristic is an irresponsible complacency. They like the way they live. They're having a blast. They enjoy the scenes they're involved in. And they are irresponsibly complacent. Their attitude is, I just love my life. Everything is going great. Things have never been so good. I'm happy. Who cares? They are irresponsibly complacent. How does their speech sound? Well, their speech is slanderous, it's brash, it's ignorant, and it's quarrelsome. They're very loud, uh, their tongue is used like a sword. They really don't share wisdom with you because they never take the time to learn wisdom. Their speech just flows forth. Their speech is corrupt, and they speak in haste. They avoid honest, open communication they'll laugh at the expense of others they have no forethought how do they use their money they use it foolishly wastefully and man if they have luxury watch out they'll just totally abuse it what should happen to this individual? well they should be disciplined the book of proverbs says that they should be flogged in the public marketplace proverbs is not too kind to this individual they should be disgraced in the community why? because they're dangerous it's possible that it's this moral dullard, this person that's such an immoral, irresponsible kind of individual, if they're punished, maybe the naive fool will realize, hey, things don't work out that well when you follow that lifestyle. So wisdom calls out. Verse 20, wisdom. Verse 22, wisdom is calling out to the naive fool. She's calling out to the mockers. She's calling out to the fools. I want all of you to realize that if you're naive, and all of us have some of these characteristics in our life, if you're a scoffer, if you're morally dull, the moral dullard is getting to be the hardest one, but wisdom is still calling out to you. There is still hope. Now, what does wisdom want to do? What does wisdom want to do? And here we have wisdom lamenting what could have been One of the worst tragedies in life is to lament, to realize what could have been. She says in verse 23, If you would have responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. If you would have responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart. I would have made my thoughts known to you. I want all of you to listen. How many of you, as I've been talking about the complacent individual, see some of those characteristics in your life? Come on, be honest. How many of you see some of the characteristics of the scoffer in your life? At one time or another, you can say, yeah, I've had some of that prideful self-sufficiency. How many of you have ever felt morally dull? You just didn't care about spiritual things. You just really weren't into church. You weren't into reading the Bible. You weren't into praying. Anybody ever feel like that? Just morally dull. You're not fighting. You're not arguing. You're just, Pfft. okay? How many of you have ever resolved, I'm going to change all that? I'm not going to be like that. I'm I'm going to be different. From now on out, I'm going to be different. So you started out. In other words, you said, man, I'm going to be different. And how many of you found out you couldn't change a blessed thing? Right? You see, this is the greatest thing about the book of Proverbs. You know, some of you have been going to church all your life. How many of you, as you think back over your church, every Sunday you learned the right way to live? Really did. Relatively good stuff, good moral stuff. They taught you the right way to live. How many of you were, you know, you heard pretty good stuff? Okay? How many of you resolved, I'm going to be like that? How many of you were really like that? Consistently like that? You see, that's the big problem. In fact, even that, that's a big problem right now. Even in our school, like I talked to you last week about the drug thing. And so a whole lot of our kids are like, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to take drugs. I'm not going to be immoral. I'm not going to do anything. And you know what happens? Boy, deep in their tank. Man alive, they get into a party. All the other kids are doing it. Boy, I really, really want to do it. Man, there's a part of me. Boy, I really, really want to do it. And they do it. Oh, no, I broke the law. Oh, no, I had a rule that said I'm not going to do it, and I did it. How many of you have ever broken a rule you set up for yourself? You're not raising your hair right now. You are a liar. I want to find something else about you. How many of you have ever made a rule, and maybe it was about something that really wasn't that big a deal in your life, but as soon as they made a rule about it, man, you wanted to do it like crazy. Man, they had a rule, you never even thought about doing that before. You know, you were at camp. They said, don't sneak out of the dorm at night. No ordinarily, you would have never snuck out of the dorm. You're too tired. They made a rule, don't sneak out of the dorm at night. Boom, you know, all 150 kids at the camp are out all night long. Anybody identify with that? Is that like anybody in this audience? That ought to tell you something about you. It tells me something about me. You know, that's the big problem, and, and I want you to listen very carefully to this, because a lot of your life, you are told, you need to be good, don't get angry, don't lie, don't be prideful, don't be like a scoffer, and if I stopped right here, this is what I would have done this morning. I would have told you, every, how many of you, before we started this morning, would say, it's not really not such a good idea to scorn people. You agree with me? How many think it's really a great idea to be open-minded to anything? Just take anything at all. Just any idea that comes. Just take it in your mind, mill it around. Don't have any discernment. You think that's a good idea? All oh, of you say, of course not. It's not a good idea. How many think it's good to be morally dull, just not to care anything at all about right and wrong? Just live for things. Proverbs tells you the obvious. You know what the tragedy is though we're hit right between the eyes with the obvious, and we all make resolution: I'm not going to do it anymore and we still do it and that's why I want to close because wisdom said if you listen to me I'll come into your life you know what every one of you need you need to change inside you need a new person to be created inside of you you see you need to have someone That doesn't scorn created inside of you. You need to have someone that's not naive created inside of you. You need to have someone that's not morally dull created inside of you. You need to have a new power involved in your life. And that's exactly what wisdom said. Wisdom said, if you would listen to me. If you would just come to me and honestly say, yes, wisdom. I want you to come inside of me. Wisdom said if you would have only responded... If the naive person would have just said, I don't want to be naive. It's wrong what I do. The pride and the openness. I don't want to be a scoffer. I don't want to be morally dull, but I can't change myself. So wisdom, I want to listen to what you told me. You know what wisdom said she would do? Wisdom said she would pour out her spirit the way she thinks, the way she feels, the way she decides... God's blueprint would pour itself into your life. Jesus took that idea. You know what he said? Wisdom presents herself in Proverbs 1 like creating a spring in your life. We were just down near San Marcos at those springs. And you look down through those glass-bottom boats. How many of you have ever seen those springs down there? You look down there, and they tell you there's 50,000, 100,000. Some of those of you that are into that will know the exact figure. Gallons of water just pouring out of there. Unbelievable amounts of water. And wisdom says, if you let me in, then I'll become a gushing spring of skillful living welling up in your life. You know what Jesus said? He said, Jesus said, He that cometh to me, out of his belly, out of the very depths of his personality, will flow rivers of living water. And that makes all the difference in the world. I want all of you to ask yourself have you ever come to Jesus? He's really wisdom, God's plan. He's the one that designed God's plan. Paul said, In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. He is our wisdom. Have you ever come to the place in your life where you admitted that you couldn't overcome your scoffing, you couldn't overcome your dullness, you couldn't change your life by yourself, you couldn't live morally right through your own strength, and so you quit trying and you said, Jesus, here I am, I want to receive what you have to tell me. And Jesus said to you, I died in the cross for your sins. I died, first of all, to take care of all your immorality, all your moral cyanide that you take. And second of all, Jesus Christ said, I rose again from the dead and I'm alive. Jesus Christ is alive. And he embodies wisdom and he wants to come into your life and change you. You see, if you're a young teenager, all your mom and dad's rules and regulations, they're good. But you'll never be able to obey them through your own power. Never. You adults, you're never going to be able to live morally right. Consistently morally right in your own strength. And you can pridefully look at me and say, Oh, yes, I can. I'm a self-made person. I always do it my own way. That's the epitome of moral dullness. The epitome of moral dullness. The only way that you can be changed is to allow Jesus Christ to come into your life and change you. You say, how do I do that? If you've really never allowed Jesus Christ to come into your heart personally, if you've never allowed Him to turn you away from scoffing, from moral naivety, from moral dullness, then pray something like this. Dear Jesus, I realize I can never be morally righteous, be morally right in my own strength. I realize I can never be morally right in my own strength. I realize that all my attempts for goodness will never measure up to your perfect standard. And I believe that Jesus Christ died to take my place. In other words, to take the punishment that I should have received, Jesus Christ died to take that punishment upon himself and I believe that Jesus Christ rose again I confess at this moment that Jesus Christ is alive I believe that he actually objectively conquered death it's not just an Easter story but I believe that it's true and I invite Jesus who is the author of wisdom to come to live inside my personality if you prayed that prayer with me, then you're one of those that responded to the appeal of wisdom. The rest of the chapter talks about the terrible tragedy that wisdom's audience didn't respond. And it talks about the terrible judgment, the terrible tragedy that comes to those that reject the appeal of wisdom. Wisdom. God is moral. He is skillful. And it's a tragic thing to reject the righteousness, the gift of life that he offers us. All of us as believers, we need to cry out to the Lord and respond to that spirit of wisdom living within us. We need to respond to who this spirit of wisdom is. We need to allow his power within us to cause us to turn away from naivety to turn away from scoffing, to turn away from dullness so that we can go on to live the kind of beautiful Christ-like lives that Proverbs really wants us to live. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for Wisdom's public ministry. I'd ask you that you would encourage so many that are struggling to publicly declare the message of skillful living in the marketplace of life. I would ask you, Lord, that you would help those that responded to the message today that had never come to know Christ before. I pray that you would help them to grow. Father, we would also pray for some friends that are still open-minded in the sense that they're really searching for the truth, and yet they haven't felt like they're already home yet. I would pray that you would help them to keep coming. I pray that you would create an atmosphere where they would feel very free to ask the questions which they have. And I would ask you most of all that your spirit of wisdom, the Holy Spirit, would keep crying out to them until they come to that moment of reality, of truth, of honesty, where they invite Christ to be their personal Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.